really glad you're here tonight. Really glad for those of you maybe watching online, you're not here tonight. Uh, you are free to come in July and August and September because our air conditioning works really, really, really well. So, preach it. Can I get an amen? Okay. Because we're chilly right now, but July is coming, my friends, and we know what lies there. So, tonight, we begin a brand new series. Uh, my name is Jack. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really honored to have you here. And this series is called This Crazy Little Thing Called Love. And we're going to look at love and marriage and relationships and dating for just the next three weeks. That I think it is going to be really insightful. And my hope uh, to kind of you discover some new things and kind of maybe be reminded of some things to focus on. And we'll kind of get to that. But I wanted to start with just reading some love songs that we have heard. And sometimes when you hear the words, they stir you, and sometimes they make you rise, you know, raise your eyebrow. You're like, that's weird. Um, so, uh, see if you can name this one. You were my strength when I was weak. You were my voice when I couldn't speak. Who? Celine Dion, right? I am everything I am because you loved me. Yes, okay. Or how about the great philosopher, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. I need love and affection. And I hope I'm not sounding too desperate. I need love and affection. Yes, the great philosopher, Rihanna. Um, how about this uh, boy band flashback? I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me. Anyone? Come on, Backstreet Boys. Come on. How many of you were closet Backstreet Boy fans? Okay. All right, a few of you. This one, uh, this is the one that I just think is super creepy. Um, so uh, you just tell me who's saying it. So every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Yes. The police, which also is just weird irony. Um, that they're supposed to watch over you, but just, anyway, the police. So, so many love songs re, kind of revolve around this idea of, of love and relationships, and it's because so much of life revolves around that, true? That so much of life and so much of the vitality of life revolves around being in relationship. And so if you are in a relationship, we've made it cold enough for you to have cuddle therapy tonight. Um, so if you're not, uh, as Brian said, look around. Maybe there's someone here. Um, but every stage of life from, hey, I'm, I'm single and I want to be dating to, hey, I'm married and wow, we're in a mess. And every step in between, I think there's going to be some truths here in these next three weeks uh, that would be really helpful, especially now some of you are probably asking, okay, well, Jack, I'm married, and I've been married like 10 years, and like all the stuff you're going to talk about is like for single people, right? So I don't need to come, right? I don't need to be here. And, you know, listen, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the principles, in fact, the two principles we'll look at tonight, I, I think are really healthy for those of you who might be in this season of life where you're wanting to date or starting to date or just kind of maybe engaged. And maybe for married folk, it's going to be like, okay, well, I, I've been there, done that. And I, I, listen, I think there's some really great truths here. That need to be reminded. And now, listen, on week three, we're going to talk about marriage. And for some of you, you're single and you're like, well, pff, marriage is like forever and a day away. Uh, why would I want to hear that? And uh, I don't know. 
other than my hunch is somewhere along the line, you probably want to get married. And uh, there may be some wisdom and truth here for you. In fact, my wife, I'm going to bring the wisest person in my house up here with me. And Amy and I are going to teach about marriage. We're coming up on 20 years this next January. And uh, we are not perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm still trainable. That's the key. Um, So... Uh, We're not perfect by any stretch, but we've actually had a stamp of healthy approval from a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And so that is a, uh, I don't know, for whatever that's worth. Um, So I think there's going to be some wisdom for that, and you can actually help us with week three. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. On the communion tables later tonight or afterwards, uh, we've got little pieces of paper that if you would just write some marriage questions that you have, or you can text our main number somewhere this week, We would love just to get some questions from you, and we're going to try our best to answer those questions in week three. So we'll talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about marriage, God's perspective on that, and then we're going to answer some of those questions. So you actually get to help shape a lot of week three. Make sense? So maybe you're here and you're single, like, here's the question I got about marriage. Great. Ask it. Maybe you're married and you've got a question. Great. Ask it, okay? That's what we're really looking for. We'd love to help you or have uh, you participate in that and help us with that. So... um, as we go through this, here's what I always say to people that uh, couples that I'm counseling and working with as they're getting married to do a lot of weddings. And I always tell them one simple line that I want them to keep in mind. Healthy marriages and therefore healthy relationships, whatever status or season you're in, healthy marriages or healthy relationships do not come fully assembled. They take lots of ongoing work and effort. That is a truth that if you're single, I hope that you grab hold of that and that you hold on to that and that you let that kind of percolate in your mind a little bit. And I think this series is going to be really, really helpful for you. Why do this kind of series? Well, because I want you to have good relationships because it's so vital to a good, healthy kind of life and a a life-giving kind of experience in life. And it's really healthy for you. And I want you to have good relationships. Now, um, who might be frustrated by this series? Well, if you're here and you're a serial dater, meaning love for you is a game, and you just like the date, the chase, uh, you like kind of affection as a buzz for you, and uh, like you're into one-night stands and all that kind of stuff, and I'm not here to judge you, and, and I love you, and I, I want you to be here in this place, because I, I, here's what I want. I want you to have the best kind of life possible, but you might be frustrated the next three weeks. And that's okay. Here's my hope for you. My hunch is you may want to check out, but my my hope is that you would just lean in a little bit, even if you're like frustrated by the whole thing, because somewhere down the line, I think, even if you just file this away, I think it'll be healthy and helpful for you. So if that's your game and that's what you're into, then you may be frustrated a little bit, but I hope that you kind of file that away because here's what I know about you. Uh, you're in your present right now, right? This is your present And guess what tomorrow will be? It'll be your future, okay? And then today will be where? In your past, right? See how that works? So like your present, you make decisions in your present, and then you move forward a little bit, and then that present actually becomes your past. And here's what I know about your past. Your past actually travels with you into the future. So the future you, okay, might want to just, just consider some of the choices and decisions you're making in the present 
that will actually be your past that will actually travel with you into your future. Make sense? Clear as mud. Okay. Um, so if that's you, if you're a serial dater and that's kind of your gig, then I just want to invite you to kind of lean in a little bit with it. So being a pastor is uh, a joy of my life. I love helping people. I got to be honest, there's a little bit of weirdness sometimes that comes with being a pastor or minister because people share things with you. I think a lot of times people see pastors as kind of their coach slash counselor slash conscience, and they share a lot of things. And And I keep that in the greatest confidence, and, and I, I appreciate that because I appreciate people trusting, and I want to earn that trust, and I want to help people. I'm at a wedding a few weeks ago, right? And we're sitting there, I've done the wedding, and now we're at the reception. I don't stay for all those, and I just happen to be there with Amy and a few friends for this one. And a gentleman across the table, we're talking a little bit. And then he slides over when people kind of left the table, and he gets real close. Like, close. Yeah. Close. And so, he's like, you're a pastor, right? I'm like, yeah, that's why I did the ceremony. Um, and he goes, I got something to tell you. Like, okay. And then he just launches into, like, his relationship and, like, things he's struggling with and just unloads a lot of stuff. And at, at halfway through, I'm just like, hey, can I stop you right there? Can, what's your name? Um, okay, I'm Jack. Nice to meet you. Uh, and I, I don't know if I would share that with a lot of people and maybe people you don't even know, like me. And um, that's what I'm feeling in this moment because he just unloads a lot of stuff and and what was really cool is God was able to use that moment I hope to be a great encouragement to him and that's really kind of my hope is that some of the stuff we'll look at the next three weeks will be a great encouragement to you because here's what I wish for you I wish that you'd have the greatest uh, most life-giving kind of relationships ever possible I really do pray that and I wish that for you And listen, they do not come fully assembled. They take lots of ongoing work and effort. But when you commit yourself to it, you will get a blessing from it, and you will be a blessing to others. So sometimes in this context of listening, there's some things that we begin to understand. See, God desires for you to have good relationships. He invented relationship. He kind of dreamed it all up. He put it together. He put it into play. Relationships and love aren't a wrong thing or a bad thing. They are a God thing. And they are a good thing when they're within the boundaries and context of how he established it to be its ultimate best. And that's what he longs for you to have. He designed for us to have love and designed for us to have relationship. Love, God is love, the Bible says, and it's the greatest power on the planet. And you've seen it to be true. We're told that in the scriptures. And so I want to look at a couple scriptures that give us a baseline for, I think, principle number one that I want us to see. So here's the scriptures that look at this. That this is so crucial for us to understand. Listen, you are loved. And I I know. I know in saying that, it sounds trite. For some of you who come from a wounded past and maybe a past of abandonment or a past of rejection, that's a great bumper sticker that Christians say sometimes. But friend, I want you to look up here, and I mean this. I want you to know how God really feels about you. He loves you. He really does. And the reason that is so critical to actually be embraced by that 
is because it sets up a healthy foundation for every other pursuit and every other kind of relationship that you're going to experience. And if you don't buy into that even just a little bit, you may be hesitant, and that's okay. You may be um, not totally buying into that, and that's all right too. But you've got to understand, God is not looking at you saying you're evil. He created you. And when he created humanity, he said it's good. And then he comes along and says it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. We'll get into that week three. But this notion of God loves you is all over the scriptures. Can I read you a couple? Um, chapter 1, uh, 1 John 4 says this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are loved because he first loved us. That's how we love. We love because he first loved us. This sets up principle number one. Keep God's preeminent love your top love priority. Keep God's preeminent love of you your top level priority. Does that make sense? That it's so easy in the pursuit of love and romance and affection and all that for us to make that and elevate that to be the supreme. And the truth is, no human relationship will ever be able to sustain the weight that you put on it when you say, this is my supreme love. It cannot bear up underneath the weight of that. But God, he can. And he loves you, friend. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you don't get anything out of this whole series, I want you to hear this. He loves you. Does that mean he loves everything that you do? Maybe, maybe not. But he loves you. You, as a person. You're loved. Keep God's preeminent love as the top love priority. It matters. God loved you first, and he loves you most. You hear that? God loved you first, and he loves you most. You've got to keep that as a foundation. See, in Jesus' teaching one time in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, probably one of his most famous sermons, it would have been something that he traveled around and taught quite a bit. Matthew 4, 5, 6, we kind of read about it. And in there, he has one little verse I want us to see that talks about this idea of affection and attention and where our focus should be. And it ties into this first principle. And I want us to kind of see this. Here's what he's teaching through a bunch of things. He's talking about worry and anxiety and how things can be occupied. Our mind and our attention and the affections of our heart can go and chase after those things. And then he says this word in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, for, for people run after all these things we've been talking about. But you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You seek first God's kingdom. You seek his kind of love, his kind of ways, his kind of kingdom, his kind of reign in the, in the world that you have influence over. You seek after him first and foremost. Why? Because he loved you first and he loves you most. And when you keep his preeminent love as your top love priority, everything else seems to find a good, sure foundation in that. It's when we deviate from that and we begin to, to kind of look for secondary loves, which are good things. But when we start trying to make them the supreme thing of what we're aiming our love after, they cannot hold the weight of the burden that you put on them or the burden you even ask of yourself. 
Does that make sense? So you pursue this idea. You begin to say, hey, keep God's preeminent love, your top love priority. Stay rooted and grounded in that first and foremost. Now, as you do that, then you are free to pursue and to look for love and to look for affection, to have that you were designed for that. It's not that you shouldn't have that. For some of you who are here, you're like, oh, man, I'm single. I'm looking for that. Yeah, that's okay. You're allowed to. Um, It's interesting how we look for love, isn't it? Uh, Don't raise your hand. I know a lot more people these days who meet on eHarmony, right? We look for love from everything from the website to we go to the bars, we go to the clubs, we go to churches, we go to schools. Anyone ever been on a blind date? Raise your hand. Raise it real high. You've been on a blind date. Has that ever worked out? Hardly ever, right? But we try it. Why? Because we're what we even call it, looking for love, right? And so I'm going to take my, my friend as saying, oh, this person's awesome. You're going to love them. And then you go on the blind date, and you're like, my friend is an idiot. You know? I don't know what they were thinking. There's, there's no connection here. But you're looking for love, right? You're looking for it so so with such passion because you want to find it. And it's an okay, listen, secondary thing. It's an okay thing. And it's a good thing. And it's a healthy thing. But don't fall victim to what I'm going to call the right person myth. Meaning, if I just find the right person, everything's going to be all right. Right? If I find Mr. Right or if I find Miss Right, then everything's going to be all right. And I just got to find them. But here's the problem. When you're looking for them, they're not looking for Mr. and Miss Right also. And when they find each other, things happen. We call it sparks, right? We call it chemistry. Jack, you don't understand. Like, we talk for hours. It's awesome. Like, we finish each other's. It's awesome. Like, I can stare into her eyes, or I can stare into his eyes, like, all creepy-like, and it's so not creepy. We text back and forth all the time. It's awesome. We even use emoticons. It's chemistry. It's a spark. It's what's there. Listen, I went on uh, a lot of first dates. It wasn't too good at second dates, but I was a lot of... Um, and then um, I met my wife, or would-be wife, and, and um, we went to a Tucson Toros game at High Corbett. And I remember sitting there, and I asked a question, and she talked for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and you got to understand... I was so used to in the first state of carrying the conversation, I was like, I'm in heaven. This is awesome. And like there was slow motion moments, like where her hair would just and I was like, whoa. I'm in a movie. I mean, there's like background music everywhere I went. It was chemistry, it was sparks, and it was super awesome. But chemistry makes a horrible relational foundation. And I know a lot of people that build their whole entire relationship on chemistry. Listen, you need chemistry to do some good cooking, okay? So you need that. That's a good thing. But it cannot be. It makes a horrible foundation. And if all you have is chemistry, you're going to wake up one day and go, where'd the background music go? How come there's no more slow-mo camera? How, How come, like, I ask a question, I'm annoyed now. And just like... 
where did that go? Because chemistry can only do so much, right? There can only be so much sparks. What you deeply desire, after the birds have stopped chirping as much, is you, you look for and you desire and you dream and you look for and you want character. And what you want is character because character is actually how relationships get built. It's a foundation. And when you only make chemistry the foundation, your whole relationship will be wobbly. Listen, you need it, and it's a good thing, but it makes a, an, a horrible foundation. What you want is character. You can't create chemistry, but you can create character. You can build character. You can say, hey, I'm going to work on this character. Here's, here's what I hear when I, when I do marriage counseling. Sometimes people uh, I've known who get married, and they have a lot of chemistry, and it seems like it's going to work, and it's awesome. And then they, then they come and say, well, hey, Jack, I'm, we're having marriage problems. And I want to be like, no, you're not. Okay, there's a big difference between marriage problems and married problems. Marriage problems is, am I going to squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom, the middle, or are we going to get our own separate tubes of toothpaste? Okay, that's a marriage problem. A married problem is just two people who have problems who happen to have gotten married. Because what they didn't work on is this character side. And they thought, if I just meet Mr. Right, or if I just meet Miss Right, then everything's going to be all right. And what you forget is relationships take a lot of work. And it all flows from character of who you are and who you're becoming and who that person is and who they're becoming. And so you want to lean into this idea of saying, I want to have, I want to marry someone. I want to look for someone. I want to date someone who has character, not just great chemistry. Because chemistry is not something you can create, but you can find chemistry with other people. That is true. Chemistry is the spark. So it's not always this side of saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only find this. And I think when we approach the Scriptures, sometimes we approach the Scriptures, we wish that God would have written, okay, here's how you find a date. All right? Don't you, don't you wish that was in there? Like, you know, 14th John or something? Just like, just uh, here's how you find a date. Here's how you go on a date. Here's the, just, there's all those things when you're in the single season, you're like, I just... I don't know if I'm doing this right. And so you just all these things, right? Don't you have those questions if you're just honest? And so in a lot of ways we approach love and what we want is for God to spell out, here's, here's how everything is going to unfold and here's how everything is going to work. And God says, well, I'm not going to focus on that. That's chemistry. And you know what? I like chemistry and it's good and I'll make it happen when it's right. But what I want to really focus on is your character. And see, when you look through the scriptures and you begin to understand, if you open yourself up to becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, that's this next principle. You can focus, maybe not on the chemistry side, that happens or it doesn't. Okay, we know that. But you can focus on the character side. God, would you help me to become the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? And that's the principle I want you to, to kind of grab a hold of, especially if you're single or you're in that dating phase or engaged phase. Man, this is huge. It will save you so much heartache. Some of you who are married, you've been married for a while, and you see this, can I get an amen that you wish you would have had this? Because it's so critical. It begins to change. See, God understands chemistry, but he majors in character. 
and you can build your character. You can begin to see and lean in and say, God, I want to become the kind of person that that the person I'm looking for is looking for. And I don't want to just depend on this magical Disney type thing where I just, if I find the right person, then everything is going to be all right. Because that makes great movies, but it makes a horrible reality of your life. And so you begin to aim your life and your affections and your attentions at saying, God, would you help me to become this right kind of person and help me to work on that. Relationships take a lot of work. No one just magically wakes up and has all the keys to it. It takes lots of effort and it takes practice and it takes failing at times to learn from that. See, experience isn't a great teacher. Evaluated experience is a good teacher. When you are able to evaluate how the experiences you go through and learn from it, that's a good teacher. Instead of just saying, I'm just going to keep doing experience after experience after experience, eventually I'll get it right. No, you have to learn from it. And it has to shape you. It has to change you. And so here's the passage I want to take you to uh, that I think I want us to unpack a little bit that I'd love to challenge you to wrestle with a little bit this week. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Often in, in, in teaching sections, we call this the love chapter. You may have heard this at different weddings. You may have heard people quote these verses. In 1 Corinthians 13, there's... Um, a description that the Apostle Paul gives about love. And he gives it about unconditional kind of love. See, we live in a culture where we use love for everything, right? Anyone ever been to El Guero Canelo Tacos, right? How many of you love tacos from there? I love tacos from there. I mean it. I love the tacos from there. I love my car. I love my spouse. My spouse should matter more to me than tacos, right? I love good ribs, and I love my spouse. There should be a priority difference in that. Don't you, think, don't you see that? We only have one word in the English language to describe that. But in Greek, there's several words for love. And what Paul is talking about here is this, the deepest kind of love, this unconditional kind of love. Really, when you read Romans 13 or sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, what I want you to see is that this is the kind of love Jesus has for you. When Jesus, when his love gets described about how he loves you, this is how it's described. This is how it was demonstrated in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. This kind of love. And this is the kind of love that he wants to build and nurture and grow into your character. And this is the kind of love, listen, married people, this is the kind of love that is to be the foundation of your marriage, isn't it? It's not just about chemistry. It's not just about we like the same things. Those are good things, and chemistry is necessary. But character matters most. And you are loved first, and you are loved the most by God. You've got to keep that as a top priority. And as you ask God to help you become the right kind of person and the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, then he begins to kind of say, okay, let's work on this kind of stuff and build this into your character. So can I just read this for you? And I don't have it all up on the screen here. So if, even if you just want to chill and just let these words wash over you, I think this is really, really healthy. And then I want to unpack a couple of these. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy and it does not boast. Love is not proud. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it does rejoice in the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Man. Don't you just hear that and go, I want that. Don't you? I mean, some of you come from divorced backgrounds or family growing up experiences. Don't you hear words like that and go, man, if if my house just had more of that, maybe my life would be a little bit different. Don't you say that? That if that kind of love was on display in the relationships that matter most to you and in your relationships, do you think it might make a difference? Can I just unpack a couple of these? You're going to get this as you leave. This is just a little bookmark I made for you that will challenge you this week. Real simply, God, out of this kind of love, what's the one part of this kind of love that you want to build into my character? What's the next thing that we're going to work on and becoming the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is really looking for? So love is patient. Wow. Love is patient. How do you know if you're not very patient? If you feel annoyed right now because I stopped talking, (laughs) you might struggle with this. If you get in a line at the store and you have... You have tallied the line, okay? And you know how many people are in each line. And you get in the shortest line. Why? Because we're Americans and we need to go fast. And you get in that line and then you notice that the longer line actually got through first. And you're annoyed. You might be struggling. With love is patient. Listen, listen, listen. Love does not pressure people. Patience is this idea where I'm not pressuring you. I love you enough not to pressure you. Some of you, you are in relationships or you've been in relationships where you have been pressured or you did the pressuring. Listen, that is not love according to what Paul writes here, is it? And if you are in that kind of relationship, then you need to understand you are not being loved. You're being pressured. Hear me? And you need to recognize that. you got to choose what to do from there. Love is patient. It does not pressure. It leaves enough space and enough margin for other people to have a say or to wait. To say, you matter to me. And I'm not going to force you or coerce you to do anything. And that's not what we typically read or see selling about relationships, do we? In our culture. Paul says, through God, love is patient. Will you wake up tomorrow more patient? (laughs) No. No. But you might go to bed tomorrow night more patient. If you begin to practice this, 
and exercise this. So tomorrow, when you go to the store, get in the longest line. I mean it. Get in the longest line you can find. And then let someone take cuts. And here's what I want you to say as you're doing that. God, this love is patient stuff. It's really hard. But I want to become the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for. So I'm going to practice it in this moment. Why? Because it takes practice. It's not something you just read on a page and go, Hey, (laughs) hot dog, I'm more patient. No, you actually have to train to be more patient. And so as you're in line, maybe you can practice that. You figure out how it works out, but love is patient. Next one, love is kind. Love is kind. That sounds kind of weak. Maybe think about it this. Love is considerate. It's considerate of the other person and how they feel all the time. It's looking out. It's trying to assess and understand how they feel, not just how you feel. See, if all your thought life is all in your head and about how you perceive the situation and how you perceive the circumstance and how it affects you, (laughs) then kindness might be something that you're struggling with. Because life ain't all about you, is it? Especially when it comes to relationships. Because if I'm trying to become the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for, do you see how this works out? Then if I'm just looking for Mr. Right or Miss Right, and then they're just looking for Mr. Right or Miss Right, and we meet and chemistry's there, it sparks fly, but neither one of you are patient, or neither one of you have ever worked on kindness and how relationships actually work, do you think that might become annoying really fast? Yeah. Some of you are like, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt twice. Because what you need to see is I, I need to work on character. I need to work on this. Your work on kindness is in every interaction and relationship you engage in, from the, the grocery store clerk to your family. How does kindness begin to become more and more on display in your life? Well, you, it just takes practice. You just have to work at it. Love does not envy. Love does not envy. Look, we all have down days. That's normal. That's called life, okay? We all have disappointments that we have to face. We all have those moments. But if you find yourself not being able to be truly happy for the other people around you because you're having a down day and they're not, listen, you may be struggling with envy. Can you celebrate with the people around you? One of the favorite verses that I give every couple I ever meet with is this one, Romans twelve fifteen, And I make them memorize it. Romans twelve fifteen is the easiest verse in the Bible other than Jesus wept, John you know, 13, 35. Um, and it says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. What if every relationship you are a part of, whether it's friendship or deeper romance type relationship, what if you just practiced that? Hey, when you're excited, I'm going to be excited with you. And when you're bummed, I'm going to be bummed with you. And I'm not going to hear to give you a pep talk and how to overcome it and give you three steps of how you should just move on. I'm just going to be here side by side with you. I'll mourn with you. 
or I'm going to rejoice with you. When you're excited, I'm going to let the spotlight be on you. Listen, if you are a person that when someone finishes their story and before they've ever finished their story, you're trying to think of a better story, love does not envy. The spotlight doesn't have to always be on you, does it? And so if you're a person that says, look, you're really happy right now, and that bums me out even more, I'm going to drag you down. I'm going to drag you down. Why? Because misery loves company. Some of you grew up in homes like that, didn't you? Where people struggle to celebrate you and who you are and your accomplishments. And here's the truth. We have to choose to do that. And so we say to God, God, would you help me become more and more the person that I'm looking for is actually looking for. And that starts with my character. And I want to weed out envy because it destroys love. It doesn't let it grow. It doesn't let it prosper. It doesn't let it flourish. And I want to be a person that lets love flourish within me. I want to be that kind of person. And so you begin to practice this. And it takes effort. It takes practice. It doesn't happen automatically. People who live with this kind of love, can I just read it to you one more time? Just listen to it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. Love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love protects. Love trusts. Love hopes. Love perseveres. Love never fails. Every time I read that, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Doesn't every part of you go, I want love to be like that? Why? Because you were designed for that. You were created for that. Why? Because it's God's kind of love for you. And he says, I want to build this into your character because I want you to begin to reflect this to the world because it's the kind of love I have for you. And I want it to be on display. And I want it to be on display for the world to see. And I want it to be on display for the person next to you who you love the most on this planet. I want them to see it. I want them to interact with it. And I want them to be changed by it. But I've got to start with you. And so would you open yourself up to becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? And as you do that, it's people who live with this kind of love become really attractive people, don't they? They just do. They become really attractive. But here's the opposite. We know this to be true. Beauty is only skin deep, right? But listen, ugly personality goes all the way to the bone, doesn't it? How many of you have seen ugly personality? How many of you have had ugly personality come out of you? It goes all the way to the bone, doesn't it? And so in this matter, you're saying, God, this crazy little thing called love, I, I, I don't want ugly personality. I want to have this kind of love be more and more on display in my life because it matters. It will not come naturally. This is not love that comes naturally, is it? That's why he's writing about it. That's why he's, the scriptures are saying this is the kind of love that you need to aspire to and open yourself up to becoming and having it change you because this isn't something you're naturally going to do. No one is naturally patient. We are naturally annoyed, aren't we? No one is naturally kind. You have to practice that. 
And so you have to work this into who you are. Here's what I want to finish with. Um, Go down a little bit in your Bible there, verse 11. Paul's describing this kind of love, and then he has this kind of an odd statement that we may not know what to do with it. He, He says this, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or I became a woman, you could put that in there, I put childish ways behind me. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I acted like a child. I I thought like a child. But when I grew up, I put childish stuff away. What is this? Cinderella. Oh, don't you love Cinderella? It's a great story, isn't it? And you can read through it, and, and here's what happens. And she has this troubled background, right? Just troubled. It's a mess. And what you, your heart goes out to her, and you're like, oh, just you've got to overcome that mess, right? And we cheer for her to overcome that mess. And then she finds what? The love, right? This prince who finds her. This is the one with the shoe, right? Her slipper, right? And so... She, you know, he finds the slipper. He fights through all the odds. They get together, and it's like, oh, Cinderella, baby, cry. It's awesome. What is this? It's a children's story, right? And it makes great books, and great movies, and great novels, and great TV shows. But if I just look for Mr. Right, if I just find Mr. Right, if I just find Miss Right, everything's going to be all right. Woo! That makes a horrible approach to the reality of life. It's a great story, and it sells a lot, and it'll move your heart in the movie. But it will not move your heart when it's reality and it's happening for you. Because what you find if you just base everything on chemistry is you've got a wobbly relationship and one that you're probably going to want to walk away from or you're in too deep to walk away from. And here's what I want you to catch. Live by these principles. God, I want your preeminent love to be my top love priority. Because if I don't aim at that and I start elevating all these other secondary loves to be something to carry what I really desperately need and desire and want, if I put that weight and that expectation on anybody else but you, it's going to fail. They cannot live up to it, neither can you. It's impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. And so... And God, I I don't want to just trust in chemistry. I actually want to open myself up to become the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for. And that love that you described there, the kind of love you have for me, man, I want more and more of that in me. And I promise you, as you aim your life at that, you will become very attractive to the people around you, You'll become life-giving to the people around you. You'll have a better love. You'll have a better life. You'll experience more of what you deeply desire to have. And your heart will be guarded from a lot of the potential pitfalls along the way. So I'd like to pray for us. Our worship team is going to come back up. And uh, I want us to kind of lean into the love that Jesus has for us. This week, as you take this bookmark, I I just want you to read back through 1 Corinthians. And and here's the simple challenge. God, what is the one 
attribute of love that you want to work more and more into my life. And so Jesus, as we kind of pause, as we move to a moment of reflection and communion, as we worship you in a couple songs here, as we get our blood flowing again from the coolness of this auditorium, I pray, God, would you this week, for each one here, myself included, would you show us the one attribute that you want to build more and more into our character and who we are and who we're becoming, that we might become more attractive and life-giving because of that. So would you show us how to exercise that, how to practice that, how to live that out. And Father, as we lean into communion now, we remember that love is patient, love is kind. Love does not boast, it does not envy, it's not proud. It perseveres, it trusts, it hopes, it never fails. And that is the love that Jesus put on display for us. In his life and in his death and in his resurrection, as we remember that, Father, would you help us to live with the security of knowing we are loved. 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 And because you loved us first, because you love us most, we get to love you back. So be with us in these moments and these songs.